Hey, welcome to episode 74 of the Thoughtcast, conversations about animation. I'm your host, Phil Felke. I'm broadcasting from northern Minnesota. And today I'm joined by two very special people uh, who I've known for a long time. My uh, regular co-contributor on the Thoughtcast, of course, my longtime brother, <laughs> Dawson Elke who is actually very close by. He's in the same house uh, visiting from the Twin Cities. Um, hey, how's it going, Dawson? Just fine, thank you. But also a newcomer to this podcast, my wonderful sister coming in from uh, Los Angeles, California, Samara. Samara Elke, how are you today? Well, hello. I, is this the first time I've been on this podcast? I thought there might have been one other time, but it's it's certainly been a long time and a long time coming. And yes, uh, northern northern Los Angeles. I'm uh, coming in from North Hollywood. It's yeah. great to be here. <laughs> yeah, I uh, don't know if you've done a podcast. Uh, if you have, uh, what do you any recollection? What movie? but uh or show or i i don't think you have so i i know i did some recordings prior to the thoughtcast back in the radio studio here but it was definitely in the radio station i remember that and dawson was there and i think there was one more person um yeah. Was it josh or something yeah maybe remember. jake uh, or Hertwig. Jake. uh yeah we uh wow that would have been yeah. a long time ago yeah was it was it a star wars like force awakens or something oh <laughs> it could have been star wars mm-hmm. okay yeah. that's wow. right was so was that thoughtcast or was that something else entirely that was different that was oh. that was the thoughtcast <laughs> yeah genre savvy <laughs> podcast oh, genre. That yes. I uh, did for fun back in the day and now I do this for fun now and you know try to keep it a little more simple uh that that was more of like a pop culture omnibus style podcast this is we take a thing and we talk about it <laughs> but you today, don't talk about strictly you know, animations right on the, the almost. This podcast um, almost okay it keeps things kind of contained and yeah a little more focused um but yeah, we'll talk about essentially anything we, well, I, I, I kind of serve as the chief uh, content mm -hmm. moderator for this podcast. So mainly it's movies because it's easy to just kind of pick up and watch a movie and try to, you know, digest it uh, and I don't know, compare, contrast, um, easy for the audience to pick it up and follow along as well. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks guys for hopping on and, uh, this will be a family affair today on the Thoughtcast. and we're talking about an animated movie. Um, and, um, we're kind of anticipating the next Disney animated film that comes out soon on streaming. Uh, that has sort of a East Asian theme to it. Today, we're talking about a Japanese animated film, also CGI animated, and was released very end of 2020 on television 
in Japan. I guess it's it's listed as like a TV movie on IMDb in some respects, but it's also getting a you know theatrical rollout as well. It's kind of an interesting enigma. The movie is Earwig and the Witch. Uh, one hour and 22 minutes, rated PG for some you know, rude humor <laughs> um, and scary moments. And uh, it's directed by Goro Miyazaki, a name that might mm-hmm. sound kind of familiar. Um, and then, yeah, Studio Ghibli, the, the animation studio from Japan who produced this. Well, what do you all think of, of your Wake in the Witch? Nope, nope. I'd really like to see the rest of it. Where, yeah, where's the second half? Where's part two? It was a very fine, it was a decent act one. Uh, maybe a little bit long for an act one, but yeah. it mm-hmm. had a lot of promise for the second and, and third acts of the film, but they just weren't there. The credits started rolling. Yeah, I, I was very bored throughout until the last five seconds. I was very excited. Something was about to happen and then, yep. And then credits, right? It it's like, ended. yep. It's and then like the great, if, greatest song of all time would play over and over again. The song of all time. What? The one song. Even, the one song. Don't that, see that. Don't disturb me. The Earwig album that they kept referring to was their hit single off that album. And it was the only single off that album. It was, it was the only song. It was just one song on this uh, LP. And uh, this is the only one they, it was basically the drive shaft song um, oh, from Lost. Lost. Um, you are everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Ugh. But anyway, yeah, it was not it was not what I was hoping, expecting, especially out of a Studio Ghibli uh film, feature film, and it was yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about it, but maybe we should talk about what the story even is. Yes, and, can we that would be helpful to me and I think everyone yeah. and especially the audience if we try to sum up what is what happens in this film? What is the story of this film? Yeah, I uh, I kind of wonder yeah what the because this is the first release from studio ghibli since 2014 um when marnie was there is that the last one um and wait a second but i thought they had tales of earth sea as well that was in 2006 that was well yeah oh, a while ago wow oh, or roughly 2006. <laughs> wow um i have no sense of no sense of chronology for Studio Ghibli films. No, um, nope. Mm-mm. Because uh, well, all of their films have um, basically the same quality, I would say. Yeah. Um, when I did see when Marnie was there recently, and I, I, I did think it was a lot cleaner, a lot crisper, but it still had the same essence as all of their other films. It was still as beautiful, the quality. Yeah, it, it, they never they never have like downgraded or you've, you've never seen like their older films being a thousand times like worse than their n- newer films i guess yes yes they're pretty Except timeless for now. Now Except they're, for now. <laughs> they've definitely downgraded no i'm just kidding <laughs> um the, and then I, disney's distribution you know they'll take a film from any era in studio ghibli and then release it so like they've been released in america out of order if i'm not mistaken so yeah, the first uh, Disney distributed Miyazaki film was Kiki's Delivery Service. That was the first. Yeah, the from first what year? The, what year? Uh, well, the, Kiki was released in Japan in 1989, and they did the 
American uh, Disney issued release in 1998. So, and then, and then they, it was probably Spirited Away after that in like 2000, right? Uh, they probably did Totoro right around the same time. Well, oh, I actually, I don't know, because uh, Totoro was the, the the Fanning sisters who who recorded the uh, dub, uh, the the Disney dub. Yeah, so, that's true. I don't know the whole timeline. It's interesting. Uh, and, uh, yeah, these are such yeah, I'm looking it popular up now. films in Japan, but uh, in the U.S., you know, they've kind of only had rolled out a little later on yeah yeah somewhat of a sporadic because i feel like we didn't really grow up with them the first studio ghibli movie i saw was probably spirited away at age same 13 14 you know or maybe i was in first grade oh you saw when did you see it because i don't remember any of them until philip introduced us Yes, I had the randomest introduction to Studio Ghibli. I think ahead of everyone in our family. I, I was in first grade and I was at a sleepover uh, at Lauren Wilson's cabin out by a lake. And she was like, watch this movie. It's great. And it was Spirited Away. And I was like, this is weird and looks like one of those weird movies. Huh. But like, I loved it. And it was enchanting and it stuck with me kind of forever. And then when I found out there was more like that was probably around the same time that you right. saw Spirited Away. Right, mm. right. So. And then it was just like try to watch as many that we could get our hands on at once because they were just so amazing. Did, yes. Have you guys talked about any other Studio Ghibli mov- movies yet on this podcast? Um, I just did like a solo. Oh, you did Kiki's. You know, analysis recently. of, yeah, Kiki's, yeah. Delivery Service. And then uh, Spirited Away, I reviewed with my friend Kara in LA um but yeah the otherwise we haven't done too much um but yeah these are all fairly prestige films um and, you know they, they do all different kinds it, there's even like a metacritic and rotten tomatoes breakdown i'm seeing on this chart on wikipedia uh they're all very pop uh positive uh, the lowest I'm seeing right at the moment. Is Tales of Earth um, Sea the lowest rated? Is yeah, Tales of Earth Sea, which is uh, also another Goro Miyazaki <laughs> film. Goro, yeah. get uh, with it. Apart w- from Earwig and the Witch, was thirty percent rotten. <laughs> what was Tales? Um, well, oh no, forty-three percent. Forty-three. Okay, mm-hmm. and then he also did From Up on Poppy Hill, which I think that's what I was thinking about as the mm-hmm. newest one. I. I didn't know um, from when Marnie was there it was newer than a yeah. bomb Poppy Hill, but he also did that one. He, uh, and that was 86% on Ron Tomatoes. Let's see. Really? So that's not bad. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, I liked that one. I saw that one recently as well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's slow, but in a little, it's a little weird, I guess for American audiences, maybe especially because there's some slight moments of are these uh, siblings in love or are they, are they not siblings? Um, hmm. But it's really, it's really sweet. So I would recommend that. I would not recommend Earwig and the Witch. <laughs> I, well, we, yeah, let's yeah. do our summary or Philip, you can continue. I, well, I don't remember. I did see um, the, the uh, from up on Poppy Hill a while back, but um, I don't remember it very much, but I, I sort of recall a similar vibe to some of these uh, Makoto Shinkai films that we've been talking about 
more recently where there was like a romantic element Mm-hmm. Um, but then definitely a romance i would say yeah yeah on Poppy are they siblings uh spoilers no they're not no oh, okay. um thankfully <laughs> Ooh, yeah uh tales from earthsea i can't quite remember that one i thought there was a romantic element but it was just so boring that okay. i don't really remember much of it at all yeah i've never seen tales from earthsea i i'll have to check it out because it seems almost incredible that that movie would be boring when it's clearly got a very like fantasy focus Mm -hmm. dragons in it (laughs) yeah there's dragons Um, which i don't i think you see the dragon very briefly i don't think it's in the movie throughout it's it's very scary i do remember the very ending being like whoa this is not for kids like i am terrified but um yeah, fantasy element, which is always fun. And now HBO Max has pretty much like all of the Studio Ghibli movies. So if you need to catch up, I would recommend. Yeah, I actually on started the HBO train. I started the first couple minutes of Earthsea last night, and it was like a scene out on the ocean, and there was a brief appearance by a dragon up in the clouds. Um, and it looked kind of thrilling, but I don't know how long that's even. I love the vibe, like just the images of it look really cool, and so I want to, you know, check it out. But I watch it, yeah, watch it for the artistry, but again, not necessarily the storytelling, which mm-hmm. I think is Goro's main uh fall, which we should get into on Earwig. So, Samara, would you begin? What is what, what's the story of Earwig and the Witch? Uh, I, I, I want to like, okay, so if I want to compare it to Studio Ghibli movies, I'd say Earwig and the Witch is like a mixture of Spirited Away and Kiki's Delivery Service. It's but without like any of the fun. No um, fun. <laughs> and it, I think there's just, some fun in here, but. <laughs> it, it, well, it's just not very conventional. Um, I Now, I know that Earwig is based off of a book, the same writer who did... Um, oh my gosh, Howl's Moving Castle. So you'd think it would be really great storytelling. Howl's Moving Castle is super awesome. I have read the book as well. And um, it's just very fun, lighthearted, lots of good lessons, that sort of thing. But I just, Earwig and the Witch was not compelling. I don't really understand what the story was supposed to be about. I guess it's like the opposite of... um, like a child hating being a single like an orphan and wanting to find a family like earwig is the opposite of that she wants to remain independent she doesn't want to be part of a family and when she finally does get you know uh, adopted she wants them to do everything she tells them to do which is kind of an interesting aspect i guess so so Very independent I'll- a redhead lady drops a baby off at the orphanage and says, yeah. gotta go because the witches are chasing me. And the matron and her assistant read the letter and they're like, well, these witches are chasing her, so we'll take the baby. Um, and then we cut to her being grown up and she's playing in a graveyard and all the children are dressed up as ghosts and they spook an old man. Um, and she talks to her friend about some things. And then, yeah, we find out that she runs the orphanage. She loves her matron. 
um she is very sweet to them and then she gets all the little the orphanage kids to do her bidding and she's got a relationship with everyone who works at the orphanage and then she gets a, then these creepy weird people come in this the large woman with blue boots and a red hat and then a, mm-hmm. and then mr purple from clue who's really tall uh mr. what's her uh, plum Professor Plum, Plum. (laughs) and they pick her, and then they take her to house, and then the woman's like, "All right, I'm a witch, and I brought you here so you can help me make my potions." And she's like, "Great, teach me magic." Um, But then she actually, so she's sad about being adopted, of course, right? Um, Because she wants to continue to maintain control and power. Um, Mm -hmm. And then she Mm -hmm. goes into the potion room, and it's a disaster. And the witch is like, "You're gonna help me clean this up and make potions." So finally, like, she's being forced to do things she doesn't want to do for the first time and that's what she does and then she tries to make a potion to trick the witch because the witch won't teach her magic the witch said she would but she doesn't teach her magic she wants to learn magic then she and this cat make a potion where they make a hand come out of the witch and then they make the purple guy mad and then the purple guy says you won't have any trouble anymore i was in a band once by the way and then the way the mom uh, and then uh, the witch is like, all right, I'm sorry, I, I dropped worms on you. Now we're going to have a good time. And then cut to it's Christmas and she's got a beautiful princess room and everyone loves her and they're taking care of her. And she's like, now, now um, I get my way all the time. And I finally get to see my friend Custard and Custard knocks, comes to the house and uh, there's a knock at the door and she gets it. And it's her mom and she, her mom says, hi. And you're like, oh, I cannot wait for what happens next. The mom is going to tell us where she's been. She's going to tell us who these characters are, like how who they the know f- each other, how who the father, father is, is, how they're related, why she had to run, and like what's the... And then she's going to tell them all that. And then we're going to meet the witches who are chasing her. So they're going to finally introduce the villain of the story. And then there's going to be this, you know, they're all going to have to team up to defeat these witches. And the credits roll. <laughs> before any of that happens so the mom walks in and the credits roll and you you know nothing yeah. about yeah. anyone or why and they nothing, were doing yeah no nothing was ever explicitly told as to who anyone is and why who yeah not no nope. questions yeah. lots of questions yeah the credits roll but i didn't yeah. not have fun i i enjoyed watching it because it was just it was very loose fairy tale. It didn't have like super high stakes, but I kept, it was like, it was building to something. Like, because of the, in the, in the, you knew that there was this background with these witches chasing her real mother. So I thought that was gonna come into play. I was expecting a resolution to the story like at every minute and it never happened. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. The point isn't the conflict involving the mother with her coven uh, and the, you know the break up the band and all that, I guess the the band elements take a bit more central role over the issues with the they mother. St- they still give you no context for it, though. It's no. like the band is supposed to be the central point, but you really have no idea. Yeah, the central point is really Erica or Earwigs process of like dealing with her adoption and i think that's something you kind of see i mean it's a theme of miyazaki films in general where he takes sort of a feature of childhood and distills it into this fantastical plot or scenario um, that is meant to convey just these very 
sort of basic childlike experiences um, and, and present them in a way that's relatable to adults who, you know, yes. have, a, have a more difficult time tapping into that same childlike mindset. But Samara, you used the word conventional earlier in that like all the other Ghibli movies, they actually tie all their plot elements together in a really mm-hmm. satisfying way. And this one did not. So, and, and you see a character arc. I mean, I did not see any way that Erica Wig changed from being a little brat of a independent child and still being that independent brat of a child as she is in this new family. Yeah, you know, she never really became like, oh, now I love like my family. Like they're my family. No, she's like, well, now they're doing everything that I tell them yeah. to do. So, which was my point all along. She's got that massive um, bed at the end. Yeah, she's. Just living it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, okay, so can we talk about is the Mandrake, the, the dude, her actual father? Because it know. seems that way. Because she and seems then, to have the same abilities? I don't know. The horns? The horns, um, yeah. She's got horns, but it's just her hair. Well, and so. then there was that moment when they flash back and uh, her mom, which... It, like almost kisses the mandrake dude mm-hmm. and then the other girl is like or the other witch is kind of a, a she jerks the steering wheel yeah yeah See, so, you're at like oh like all of this stuff was so interesting that i thought the movie was getting into like was there a jealousy thing here or like how did you the blue-haired witch did you know this girl was in the orphanage this whole time why are you just a, the the orphanage yeah, was a walk away from the house that the Mandrake and the blue-haired witch lived in. So, like, why did you decide now that you're going to adopt your former bandmate and friend's child and take her in? And did they know? Yeah, did they know that that was the child, like, that their former bandmate had? And it how long they did they never, know? And they never answer any of it. They never address it while they it's going know. on, and then they never <laughs> explain it later. I was expecting an ending where maybe the mom had passed away or something, and then the mandrake was like, okay, yeah, I'm your father, but I'm having a hard time accepting you as my daughter. And then the girl being like, well, now I am ex- learning to actually know what it means to have a family and to love you guys, and I'm and also going to discover her fun powers. Which, yeah. yeah yeah discover powers which did she actually have powers or did she just learn to use magic from the book and the familiar that was kind of helping her the most that we have to go off is that which we haven't talked about oh yeah thomas cat um she was able to she was she started to be able to command mandrake's demons so was that just because she was charismatic or because like she has some of his same powers of, of control right um I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you because I know. Was... And, and I, I also like going, not even talking about like the storytelling in general, but I was just so taken out of the film because of the 3D element. It just, <laughs> I felt like I was watching a kid's cartoon on Netflix that's just not even related to any studio. It's just this like crappy, it's like Coco Melon. Like, yeah yeah or like the planes with the weird faces kind of 3d animated kids show and i just like it was so hard to watch everything was so stale and slow and 
There's nothing about it that couldn't have been improved by being traditionally. Coco Melon? What's that? I don't even know, actually. It's just there's a 3D kid and it's on YouTube and people watch it and PewDiePie makes fun of it. Okay. That's that's all I know. Well, yeah, there's any number of those. Uh, Sometimes they're early childhood cartoons or sometimes they're just... I mean, I guess... Early, early. Like, you have to be two to um, five years old to enjoy them. You know... uh, The animation wasn't awful no in fact some of sometimes it was genuinely good like especially the land like the environments like the grass and the the houses and buildings i thought were pretty well very well rendered um but yeah i don't know i and just I kept think thinking. some of that was 2d i i think i noticed a lot of the landscape being painted in oh no way I and didn't. then the characters were all like 3d but that's something i would have to like look at closely I, th- I think in order to achieve the level of detail that's standard for the blockbuster computer animation commonplace nowadays in theatrical releases, especially um, is, is something that um, just requires so much uh, simulation and just multiple components working together to give it that photorealistic feel for for certain uh, elements such as the lighting or textures and just this film nowhere near came close to accomplishing that in in so many different areas so it really just came off as this flat looking sort of kingdom hearts cutscene style Uh, uh, (laughs) yeah yeah and a story that's so ambiguous you know it didn't really Mm -hmm. come full circle like it's almost as if they didn't work on the story as much because they were trying to complete like a good 3d animation or something like did they have a deadline and then yeah they just could not get it done by the deadline so they had to rip out a bunch of things on the they had to gut the story probably in half and yeah i'd be interested to read the actual story because yeah. I think I, I learned more from reading the Wikipedia like a description of what the movie is than I did watching the movie. So it'd be interesting to read the book to see what, you know, the story actually is about. So might have to do that. Yeah, there's, there's an interesting story behind the, this entire um, endeavor but I you know uh, the background yeah. like why <laughs> I thought I read that there was a team that um, Goro assembled to you know do the um, yeah do the CG production from scratch this is the first full 3d CG animated film by Studio Ghibli uh, scheduled it had a television premiere on nhk in late 2020 um the let's see it says here goro said that his father told him to go with it and toshio suzuki encouraged him but after that he was left on his own and made the anime uh with young staff didn't consult with the old guys at all <laughs> uh he also mm. said yeah wow. yeah um he is the only one at the studio who knows the method of creating cg animation 
Oh, I'm so. not surprised because that's the elephant of the room this whole time is that this is the first 3D animated Ghibli movie and like uh, it, yeah it just you, wasn't it, a very experienced team working on it they just clearly weren't interested Hayao included and and everyone they're like we we're all artists like we draw with our hands like this computer stuff like if you want to go for it kid go ahead but we don't care <laughs> yeah yeah it either looks like something that was created in early 2000s or or the kind of content that is yet targeted to just a very young audience uh, that that show that you mentioned early coco corral or whatever and or coco melon uh yeah or i don't know i i have no contemporary reference for almost well okay um what are they called paw patrol yeah that's a thing right yeah <laughs> i have a nephew who's into stuff like this and he watches cartoons. Um, it's it's not quite that level, but it's you know it's kind of close, disturbingly close for what I thought was a, a fairly competent story, at least the amount of it that we got presented. But yeah, the story just kind of drops at the eighty minute mark, and we're left with a lot of questions. You know what? Okay, it's exactly this in um, the story. It's in Elf. Um, when, you know, the, the, the manager comes back into the dad's office and he's like, it's unfinished. There's missing two and a half pages. How, how does the peach become the, or like how there's a bunch of little kids who want to know how the puppy, you know, escaped or whatever. And he's like, it's just, no one cares. They just look at the pictures. And he's like, this, you know, this is a disgrace. I need two pages by Christmas Eve, two pages, you know. Yeah. So this book is missing its last, this movie is two missing minutes. its last two minutes or, you know. I feel like it could have been summed up in two minutes, at least just her, yeah. Because we don't even see her mom like coming into the room and being like, hey guys, I'm here. And then the mandrake being like, oh my gosh, my long lost love, who is this child? And then, you know, it just gets summed up. Yeah, and then. Nicely custard's invited and they all talk about it i'd say yeah and then, and maybe 10 there. minutes i mean with the last thing this movie probably needs is just a major exposition dump at the end but it could have just been kind of something silly uh yeah well, i mean this band they, they're kind of like fleetwood mac they probably had all kinds of john yes. drama you know, stevie <laughs> nicks you know falling in love with you know, having an affair with, with mick fleetwood and all that stuff you know uh but yeah i don't know why bella yaga's relationship is the way it is with any of the other characters you know mandrake yeah, they yeah. seem to have this weird domestic partnership that's not really explained more servant to master than it is uh you know previous bandmates yeah, you know yeah. and don't disturb the mandrake as the rule because he's his demon who will go off his rocker if you disturb him and we don't really know what his threshold is um and he sits in a magical room that changes places and he plays the piano and it's like when they were a band together was he this same did you have to not disturb him then or was he a different was he human then and is he demon now just and kind of a grumpy old dude a grumpy old dude also, what very... exactly is a mandrake are they they're not witches they're they're the little plants so... you pull out of the ground that scream at you i think that's just yeah. his name <laughs> mandrake root <laughs> he got he does get referred to as the mandrake, the mandrake on at least one occasion but like is that some kind of demon I don't half yeah man, half dragon 
I think it's just kind of a name that he, he is ascribed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But he also Half has. Man. Oh yeah, he um, has the. It's the root of. Horns. It's the root of a plant. Reptilian um, features. Hmm. But but yeah, I don't think that plant definition of mandrake really applies here <laughs> in any sense. It's just a cool sounding name. Um, Bella Yaga, I don't know. She uh, she's very skilled with the potions. You would think that she would use mandrakes in some of her creations, but we never see that. Um, the mandrakes are one of the most commonly known plants throughout the world for, uh, and it's used for a lot of different uh, treatments for maladies. And in the Bible, actually, in Genesis, uh, Rachel wants Leah's mandrakes to help her have a baby. Okay. Mm. Okay. So that's so a real mandrake thing. Is a, mandrake is a fertility. Like a good thing. Oh. Yeah. Fertility. So I, just, I just think of the little puppets in Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, which they use to help cure the petrification. So mandrake is just like, if, you, if you're, you know, world building for your fantasy novel or D&D &D or whatever, you need to make a potion, um, you go to Monkshood, Wolfsbane, Nightshade, or Mandrake. Like those are you know, the four herb names that probably everyone's heard of that that can pop into their mind. And they do look a bit like little people, the roots of mandrakes. Hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's weird. That's so cute and funny. Anyway, uh -huh. so we have no idea. And I don't know, maybe they wanted, did they want you to speculate? Like, let's assume this is as brilliant of a Studio Ghibli film as any others. So, and, and everything was intentional. Did they want you to, like, it, you don't need a story. This is just a slice of life in a magic. I guess the impression of like these sort of washed up parents who perhaps uh, you know, struggled to have their own kids or something. Maybe uh, Mandrake and Bella Yaga are married and their relationship was complicated by uh, Earwig's mother <laughs> in some, I don't know. I, I, I can't venture to speculate. I know. It's so hard to speculate because they just don't give you anything. Those characters, they have no chemistry together, Bella Yaga and Mandrake. They just sit up. But that's kind of a common thing that you see among old married couples too. Like they just sort yeah. of coexist <laughs> i don't know that's kind of a an impression that reflects you know real life that that kind of i don't know yeah se seems sort of intentional you might be getting at something there um <laughs> but they they're magical i i love how he just sort of orders magical postmates and that seems to be his one pleasure in life yes that, <laughs> that and playing organ Right. And then I, what I love about her as the witch is that her potions and magic are all for very urbane, I think is the right word, or mundane uses. Like people call her, she's known and they just ask for favors. Like I need a potion to help me um, pass, to help me get through my interview or something mm -hmm. or a potion to, uh, they, they were all very just common random uses yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah, so. Or, or Bane means courteous or refined. 
Oh, that's uh, so well, that's not bad. You know, that's kind of because it was like a potion for a dog uh, show, like a dog competition. Yeah, a potion to help my dog win first prize <laughs> what, at yeah, the what was dog that? show. What was that? What was it for? I don't. That was what it was. For. <laughs> and why? she just take the phone call. I well, it's like if you want. Do you want an edge in in anything? I want an edge in my love life or an edge in my job or an edge at a competition. I can call the witch and she'll make give make me a potion to like make a certain set of well and okay, that was also confusing. It was clearly a potion making facilities, but she was making spells. Uh they yeah. blended spell mm-hmm. potions and spells together. Yeah, I don't know necessarily what the distinction would be. Um, but I, I suppose maybe <laughs> yeah, sometimes some of these things involve actually drinking a potion or the, uh, earwig makes, uh, a potion or a spell she refers to it and then like slathers it all over herself and Thomas magic, yeah. right? Yeah. And it actually works later. Like the, that serves as a key plot point. <laughs> Should we talk about the worms? Can we talk about the worms? There's a lot of references to parasitic worms in in this film. And I think it almost does have some thematic ties to other Miyazaki films as well, because there's like some body horror in other Miyazaki films involving like almost parasitic substances or actual worms, things like that. I don't, I don't know. There's just a lot of crazy imagery and of course it looks great in the 2d animated form um but you know spirited away has like you know muck creatures and uh, howls or no um princess mononoke has that boar at the beginning that's infested with worms and super disturbing Mm -hmm. that was gross but she drops like kind of delicious looking um like gummy gummy worms worms. yeah (laughs) well and the name earwig too is a that's a parasitic thing an insect that crawls into your ears supposedly which so then i mean there was like there were moments of symbolism where it's like i think they're like they're truly like there's symbolism to be found but then it's all unconnected like she goes she crawls through a hole into the mandrake's music room and then he says like you know earwigs they're they're bugs that crawl into your mind and stick there like music and she literally does that she crawls through a canal like his ear canal into his musical mind and then sticks there but then you don't have like a lovely story about how this little girl and the mandrake get to know each other and how he mm-hmm. warms up to her and then he confesses things to her and then they have a beautiful relationship none of that happens like anything you could ever expect conventionally out of a story just kind of doesn't happen um i mean it's the, it's very light on that but it, it's there technically uh because yeah there there's some moments of bonding i don't know he eventually starts calling her dear wig <laughs> yes he start he started calling me dear wig and then he opens the door dear wig yeah and then backs away and it's like all right they've well, developed, they've it's, it's not shown we're told yeah 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 it was like in the last airbender where Sokka and ua started getting along great like <laughs> 
I like the line about the, you know, the worms, they crawl into your mind <laughs> or, you know, the earwig uh, comparison and to music specifically, because that's kind of, I don't know, fun to explore the magical qualities of music uh, in a movie like this. But there's not a lot of it. Um, there's one song. There's one. <laughs> I, he's jammed one. on that keyboard and that i i love that that sounds kind of like that boston song um foreplay i guess uh, and uh long time i don't know if you're familiar with that song it's got this amazing uh organ intro um yeah the I'm song not. long time by I'm boston not. not sure but no. uh and then like the doors you know they've got the jazz organ and some of their stuff and it's it's just all over classic music that's of the genre um and that but there's really just the one sort of riff that you hear throughout this film for a song called don't disturb me so you've got these two witches the red-headed witch who plays guitar and sings and then the blue-haired witch who does the drums and is the one who adopts earwig and then there's mandrake who is an does the keyboards and they look like a 70s attire groovy band yeah. kind of 60s 70s he looks like john lennon um you know uh there are, there are two songs total right that were composed for... i can't remember uh, there's at least two because there's like the one that plays during the credits and then there's the don't disturb me the main ones don't disturb what's the big deal with disturbance what do you think they're getting like don't disturb the mandrake is the big rule and then they're in there when they're abandoned, they're all together. The song is about don't disturb me. Like uh, there's these threads that question. like they could, this could all be pointing to something or like connected to something, but it doesn't. And it's so frustrating. And also why do they even break up? We didn't, the, it wasn't really clear. The one redheaded witch just wanted to leave because she didn't want I don't know, this the witch, hold of the witches over the coven, her? Yeah, the coven had a problem with them, or her, specifically. I, if you watch the latest episode of WandaVision, you'd probably get a similar vibe to what was going on. <laughs> oh, really? Which I, I, haven't, did, I haven't been I, seeing WandaVision. I started watching it, and um, I didn't finish it, unfortunately. Okay. I, I want yeah. to. It, it looks really good. It's I hear good. it's really good. The, the latest episode has a whole sequence set in, like, you know Salem era uh you know northeast you know in New England um with with a, a, a character who is an actual witch so uh oh. some some good uh, synergy there uh but I know. can I just say that like Harry Potter dealt with incorporated the real event of Salem into fiction better than anyone ever has do you remember how she incorporated oh, it? No. So a lot in a lot of modern fiction, like there'll be witches. If they use witches, they'll refer to Salem as like this horrific, tragic event where witches were hunted down and persecuted and, you know, whatever. But in the Harry Potter world, she's like, yeah, there were real witches in Salem. And when they were, and sometimes they liked to get bound and burnt on purpose because it was funny and tickled. Like the witches were real life witches are so powerful that humans trying to capture them and burn them it doesn't work. Like they can't they can't kill the witches because the witches just use spells to protect themselves or hide themselves or whatever, um, which is just 
the best. Yeah, like if there were real life witches who knew real powerful magical spells, like no human attempt to yeah that burn them at the, burning them at the stake just had no effect. They would you know yeah. they'd make a big scene and they'd cry and pretend like it was hurting them, but they'd just laugh about it and then be fine. So I don't know. I think that's I think that's great. That's how yeah. it'd be. Yeah, uh, there and there is like a scene in the latest WandaVision where it's not uh, just the ordinary people. It's not the villagers who are trying to execute a witch. It's other witches who are performing an execution Ooh, of a witch. Interesting. Or, or, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's really interesting. And yeah, who knows what sort of disagreements would arise among this coven uh result in excommunication i mean i want to know yeah yeah exactly i want to know and i want to see them (laughs) because she said she was running away from 14 witches which two were her bandmates but then yeah who were the other 12 or something like that was it 14 or or i think it's like 10 or 12 something like that did did any of you read the the roll doll book the witches i just saw the movie Oh, it's a movie on HBO? Oh, I just saw it. Yeah, the movie. Is it good? It was cute. I liked it, actually. Okay. I'm I'm hesitant. It just looks, uh, I don't know, I feel with Anne Hathaway and everything from the scene from the trailers that it might be a little unfaithful and like too light. But I shouldn't shouldn't judge it before watching it because it it might be a faithful adaptation. And I haven't read it in a while, so it probably doesn't even matter. But very scary witches. Yeah, Octavia Spencer. They're very scary. Okay. Sick. Yeah. Yeah, I love her. Um, the witch. Yes, it's a. It's one of my favorite books about like a coven of witches and and how they operate basically. Um, Hathaway. So, I mean, it's an interesting performance. I just the the whole mouth thing is really disturbing to me. Where they all have these Joker scars, and then there's certain moments in the movie where you know that they they reveal their witch form, and it's like. Yeah, is it dark and creepy, creepy when they reveal their witch form? It's, it's really creepy. Yeah, it's okay, creepy. good because it's supposed to be all right. That, yeah, that, their deformities are very, are very strange. But d- tonally, it's all over the place. Uh, even worse than this movie. <laughs> oh no! So. Yeah, because the book. Wait, you think so? Tonally, I don't know. I thought it was all still very like lighthearted and uh, the and witches. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, I, uh, yeah. You you think that the darker moments fit within the tone of the overall film? It, I didn't think there were that many dark moments, though. I don't know. It should be. I mean, there should be dark moments. Like in in the original story, the tone is you've mm-hmm. it's it's fun and funny and and lighthearted, but there's this eerie sense throughout because it's like a mystery. Where like the, there's these women who are, there's clearly something off about them. And you don't know exactly what, and then you finally find out that they are, in fact, real witches, and they shed their disguises, their glamorous disguises, and they reveal their hideous forms, and and then it's it's scary, mm-hmm. like really scary, but then mm-hmm. also lighthearted. He's really good at finding a balance in tone, Roald Dahl, mm-hmm. in his writing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think I got that for sure. Yeah. yeah. Weird use of CGI in that movie, like the animal transformations. These kids who get turned into mice and stuff. It's it's a little kind of the the rules of that aren't the most clear. Again, Harry Potter just does it best. Like someone turns into an animal and then they use a real animal. It's like yeah. you buy it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, get them to talk. There's a disturbing implication oh. at the end of that movie, which I thought was kind of neat. But it, yeah, it's 
it was kind of jarring at the same time because you're like oh of course these they'll figure out a way to transform these mice back into their human form (laughs) that they don't really become human again yeah and they age much faster (laughs) it's it's uh it's messed up but it like it at Uh, least has the same level of consequences that i'm i'm guessing were in the book uh where where these kids don't just get off scot-free how does so we've compared this witch these witches to that those witches how do these witches compare philip to the witch in the vavitch <laughs> um have you seen well, the vavitch samar the no. anya taylor joy witch movie it's, it's called the witch but yeah they the styling on the poster is the two v's the really scary movie about the leg goat and it takes place in like pilgrim times oh, or whatever have you seen trailers for that or do you know the the same studio as hereditary right I think maybe have I seen this? Like that. Is it an A twenty four? I think it might be, or Annapurna. It's one of those. Uh, yeah, the wish is great. It's the most like down and dirty depiction of that era of uh, American history <laughs> I think I've ever seen, and like the way they speak. Yeah, the sort of um, the Puritan culture. It's fascinating, um, but. It also has oh, this cool element to it with real witches in it, right? Yes. Shall we Do say? you you find out pretty quickly that there's real supernatural activity happening, right? Uh no. Oh, okay. It's, it's kept vague throughout most of it. In fact, you could say that the entire movie keeps it somewhat vague, um, but you know, all people are allowed to their own conclusions well robert eggers is the director i believe he also wrote it and then he directed uh the lighthouse as well yeah <laughs> very interesting uh creative personality there uh, I, I i really enjoyed both of those movies the lighthouse the witch um so yeah i i don't know i i kind of like the magical stuff here you know you got the familiar character the uh, thomas the spe- speaking cat very similar to Gigi from kiki's delivery service so i said it's like a mixture of kiki's delivery service and spirited away because they got a cat <laughs> so is it, is it basically they had an, they had an ai watch all studio ghibli films and then the ai made yeah. a story exactly yeah. what they did exactly yeah they're like okay a little kid we'll give him a weird name uh, all right there's black cat um there's stripey socks orphan yeah i don't know there's a witch dan here. stevens was the voice of thomas there's yeah. a demon like in howl's moving castle there's the demon. uh the fire demon what's yeah. his name uh calcifer yeah they so they have a fire demon but yep. without any person there's a little or... boy friend there like there's a little friend that's a boy Kind of like and also in House Moving Castle or all of the it. other studio. <laughs> yeah, he's like not really in it at all, but he's there. Custard. Oh my. Who she keeps wanting the, to see what? him again, and then when he finally she is about to see, it, like he finally gets to come over, and then it doesn't show them actually like reunite. So. <laughs> no what what was her like? Why did she have this weird obsession with seeing her only friend Custard? Like I don't. That was also kind of strange. She well, kept calling the cat his name. And... Oh, that yeah, that's why did she keep calling and, the cat? And then she'd be like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I mean Thomas. Oh, oh, custard. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I meant Thomas. Like really, that was so annoying." Really, she saw like she thought the cat and this boy were very similar. Like they, they it was sure. a talking companion 
that served no purpose other than to like talk and then for her to like control and and tell them how afraid they're being and and stop being afraid i don't, I don't know she well so she had she was she manipulated everyone and she loved it she knew she was doing it like mm-hmm. i can get custard and i can get the matron to do whatever i want them to in the orphanage but she also genuinely like likes them and because lo- and that was that was a fun little thing that I, jillian noted um where you know you, you when you, this, you see the way she talks about and talks to and treats the the matron and the boy and everyone else in the orphanage and you think she might just be using them purely but then when mm-hmm. she gets to her new house she tapes pictures of the matron and custard onto yeah. a mirror. So it's like, oh, like she actually misses them and cares about mm-hmm. them. I, yeah, but I is also really manipulative. I never got the impression that she was disingenuous in her affections for the people she cared about. And yeah, you mm-hmm. see that in the, the portraits she hangs. But yeah, she, I think because she is a witch, she's a born witch, she has magic from birth. It, she naturally just knows how to take control of every situation and sort of be the dominant alpha. And it's just an inextricable part of her personality. I, I think that kind of- And be um, kind of a trickster. Like she was definitely mm-hmm. the trickster of the orphanage while mm-hmm. also still being like loving and that kind of thing. But, you know, scaring the the old man and the mm-hmm. ghost costumes and- yes that sort of thing so yeah i i guess it's just a inevitable part of being just this powerful force of nature uh which yes your wig is the the characters who are witches i and i don't know it's it's almost something you're born well a lot of these movies presented as something you're born with in harry potter you're kind of born with it um i and this would explain earwig's abilities as just coming from her mother being a witch but it could also be you know it's it's left i think intentionally ambiguous whether mandrake is her father um Uh yeah she doesn't ever seem to really want to know who, who her actual mom is you know she's not always questioning like where did i come from or like what is this strange cassette tape that was given to me and she never like looks at the movie po- or sorry the um the band poster and say like oh like i recognize her where is she is she my mom like she doesn't really does she ever get to know at the end i mean that was something that isn't talked about yeah because it just ends abruptly but it's not like she really questions who her mom is either but maybe um, I, miss that. I i think maybe because she was left at the orphanage she you know is probably mistrustful of her mother i don't know yeah you're right though it could be played as earwig you know constantly wanting to find out more about her parentage you know maybe having some kind of strange fixation about who her mother might have been but she really doesn't um I, I guess she does develop an appreciation for her mother's music mm-hmm. eventually, but that's not her focus. I th- Earwig's focus seems to be uh, on just trying to make the most of her immediate surroundings. Well, and I think that's why the music was such a strange element. They almost didn't really need to have that song or the band in there at all because she doesn't draw any 
questions or or answers from the band she just kind of makes an observation like oh cool you guys run a band yeah great (laughs) i really like your song music isn't really (laughs) a theme in the movie the way that music is often if it's if music is part of it they usually it's very thematically based on the 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 um I saw one image that was on HBO. I thought maybe she was going to become like a little pop star, a little singer. Like she didn't really even get any of the musical talents at her. There's an image of her holding and singing. The thumbnail is her singing. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, does she, I I, like my first thought seeing the poster is, okay, she's this little girl who gets adopted by this band. And then she is going to like, become yeah. a really cool pop star singer girl and i'm you so know, glad and they're, and they're gonna be witches or something yeah i didn't want her to do a bunch of singing in this movie uh, so thank thankfully that wasn't the case yeah i yeah, yeah they, there's so much probably that they could have done or wanted to do that they couldn't because it's it was a skeleton crew of animators you know working um just overtime to come up with anything that was mm-hmm. presentable and you know it's it what did his dad think <laughs> i made I, this yeah. dad that's why his dad's coming out of uh <laughs> retirement because he has to fix the the studio like he has to fix what his son ruined do you, do you remember the old the scene from uh downfall that was like one of the early memes where it was it was hitler in the meeting with all of his officers and they're speaking german and people would make the subtitles whatever they wanted mm-hmm. and you know someone would say something happened and then hitler would take his glasses off with his hand shaking and tell everyone to leave the room and then like throw a fit do you remember this this sounds what, you mean the familiar. meme that everyone has seen a million times. Yeah, the I mean, Samara's doesn't is not recalling it. Where think, Hitler spazzes. I saw it in school in like high school. Yeah, the Hitler yeah. freak out. Someone yeah. Hitler, even. Hitler freaks out. Yeah, so you could really you could easily do one where like Goro Miyazaki and his team are like, we've just released you know Earwig and the Witch, and here are the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's 3D and everything, and then Hitler is Miyazaki, and he takes his glasses off and he flips out and how ashamed he is of what's happening. He's like, yeah. now I need to come out yeah. of retirement and fix this mess you've made. My legacy is tarnished, you know. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and Miyazaki, you know, Hayao Miyazaki isn't fully exempt from any blame here either, because he's a very traditionally minded person. Uh, so if you know he could have perhaps uh, invested in modernization more so. But I think it's also totally fine if his philosophy was just to focus on 2D animation and never move away from that. Um, But Studio Ghibli, in this case, decided to try something different and they weren't really prepared for it. Um, But they, they managed to at least produce something um, and I found some enjoyment out of it, and I wouldn't have given it a second look if it weren't Studio Ghibli. Uh, <laughs> That's a good point. But uh, the elements of previous works of Studio Ghibli that I see communicated here um, are things that I like. And just the slightest degree, you know, that algorithm that we mentioned of just putting all these various other works of Studio Ghibli into an AI and it's spitting out Earwig and the Witch um, 
kind of works in its own little perverse way. Um, <laughs> so I, I can't say I don't recommend you check out Earwig and the Witch, but if you do, uh, you know, just know that um, you can't expect Kiki's Delivery Service or My Neighbor Totoro, but you might get a little bit of, you know, the same vibes and the same like sort of warm feelings that you get from those other films because uh, it's not terrible. I thought the vocal performances were okay and the characterizations were good, mm. um, but it's just, it's because they were working with such limited resources, um, they're not able to really um, I, I insert the elements that they really needed to make this mm -hmm. feel like a fully fleshed out story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were definitely missing just, I think, a couple scenes, like more mm -hmm. flashbacks, but they probably didn't have the time or budget or money to do like more sets either. Like if you're talking about locations, they didn't have that many besides like the orphanage, yeah. the house. And that's hard to believe about Studio Ghibli, right? It's like, does Studio Ghibli need to do a Kickstarter? Because if they need money, we will give them all the money. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, they're, yeah. I mean he, it's that well-known and beloved and famous that you'd think they could kind of do whatever they wanted at this point, but maybe they're just not. Maybe they don't have the resources that I would assume they do. Well, Dawson, Miyazaki is such a purist that he has arbitrarily limited the amount of um, sort of consumer product production uh, mm -hmm. related to Studio Ghibli properties. They don't just totally, you know, open up the floodgates of um, memorabilia and, and you know, merchandise. And yeah. yeah. Oh, true. Which um, is great. But if they did, they would have a lot more research uh, resources with which to develop like mm -hmm. you know, new animation techniques and kind of modernize. And, and just also the skill, like they probably didn't have as highly skilled 3D animators and maybe they just were yeah. tired of it. Maybe they just were at a point where they're like, you know, it's good enough. Let's just like release it. It's not going to have like a huge theater uh, audience either. Um, let's just get this out there and work on the next thing. <laughs> Cause mm -hmm. yeah. Well, when, how long has Miyazaki been working on how do we live? It's kind of fun that he's coming out. He's coming back out of retirement to answer the ultimate human question in one film. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't be more excited, but uh, insane. Yeah. yeah. How I'll do we live? What a title. Yeah. <laughs> excited to see that when that comes. But so for, several years now the studio has been fairly dormant and i i don't think it was ever the intention of its founder hayao miyazaki to become this, this massive behemoth corporation no uh so it might no live and die that. with him but we shall see <laughs> uh <laughs> is someone like yeah has there been someone in the story of Studio Ghibli, who's always coming to their door going, you could be making the fortune, Hayao. And, you know, is there is there someone who wants to make a cash cow out of this? I don't think that's um, really the the Japanese way. Oh, you know, I think they, in that country, sure. uh, you know, try to keep things more... Art I don't know. Integ the artistic yeah. integrity matters yeah. to them, you know? 
like Nintendo and Capcom or whatever you can think of. They're just like, this is how we want to do it. And this is how we're going to do it. And, you know, we're not going to, we're not pressure from pressure for how to do things just kind of is deflected off of them. I think. Um, Yeah. Do you think that studio Ghibli is going to like die after uh, this next movie? Or do you think they'll continue to do the 3d stuff or maybe Goro will like do his own thing? Uh, Yeah. It's hard to say because nowadays you kind of need that big blockbuster studio power uh, to be able to stay competitive um, but I don't know I, Goro Miyazaki hasn't necessarily shown the level of artistic leadership that um, Miyazaki had you know Hayao Miyazaki um, but he could step up uh, I, I, he did He's done three movies now. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, hard to say. We, well, <laughs> well, well, we'll see. Yeah. It would be I, sad I, if they, you know, stop creating films, but maybe it is necessary since they don't. If uh, Hayao Miyazaki passes away and they don't have the creative powerhouse that they once did and, mm-hmm. you know. Because they can do whatever. How do you pass off the torch, you know? Right. They can do whatever they want. And, you know, it's, of course, we as selfish consumers, we just, we want them, like, you know, or NPL, like, keep making more movies that are exactly as good as Howl's Moving Cast and Spirited Away, et cetera. And if he doesn't want to do it, he he doesn't owe us anything, you know? And, And neither does Goro. And neither, you know, does the studio necessarily. Um, So. And they don't, and it's like, we would probably all prefer, it's like, no, just keep making the 2D, like do what you do best. You're the anti-Pixar, you know, like you're, mm-hmm. and not anti in a, in a negative sense, but just like Pixar always consistently makes really good 3D animated movies and Studio Ghibli consistently makes really good artistic um, 2D movies, 2D. and mm-hmm. which are better than Pixar films because they're 2D and more beautiful. Um, and, but, uh, but they just don't have to. Yeah, yeah they... <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I would if I it was like you get to watch either Pixar movies the rest of your life or Studio Ghibli movies the rest of your life. I'd definitely take Studio Ghibli. I, yeah, um, I agree. Uh, yeah, someone will probably buy the studio uh, oh. if it isn't already owned by like uh, some kind of corporate overlord that I haven't investigated. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, I don't think it will necessarily remain at um, the level of like a Miyazaki film quality. Unless, uh, well, it, it most certainly won't once he's gone. Uh, you know, unless they do get some fresh new blood in there, uh, like a Makoto Shinkai, um, to sort of spice things up. He's doing good work. They're the and there are other directors at Studio Ghibli, of course. Yeah. and their films have been good. And you know, there's the uh, longtime uh, director Takahata who did Grave of the Fireflies and the Tale of Princess Kaguya, which have all, you know, which have been extremely well-regarded. Uh, I haven't seen Princess Kaguya. My My Neighbors, the Yamadas, was Sao Takahata as well. Um, but yeah, there's a lot. I, I don't, let's see, Takahata, um, he is 
no longer with us. He died in April of 2018. Um, well, I think uh, we should wrap this up. We've been talking a while on. Uh, yeah. We could talk more about Studio Ghibli another time. Studio Ghibli. Yeah, yeah. This was <laughs> it's fun. It's a great studio, and I'm surprised yeah. you guys haven't done more of their films just because they are like powerhouse of animated features. Mm-hmm. What if you wanted? What? one would you like to review next if you all wanted to review one next i don't know uh, my never total probably okay mm-hmm. i mean that's yeah it's a classic my favorite is how's moving castle Oops. same um oh really yeah oh yeah so that totoro might be a fun one to do boring <laughs> totoro yeah totoro is kind of boring i should watch it again but it's really cute and it's the cute. the characters are very memorable um just the big you know jolly totoro is the big jolly mascot pokemon dudes yeah yeah <laughs> it's that's what very, it always reminds me of you know it's, it speaks to the essence of childhood this uh movie earwig and the witch seems like it, a distillation of or of uh, adoption basically adoption mm-hmm. from an orphanage um in, in an interesting way just it's as kiki lighthearted as well yeah uh yeah the the characters were like you know had some fun personality um, have you guys seen when marnie was there sorry to bring that up i haven't seen that i have not when marnie was there is about a girl who's a foster child also adopted so it's kind of funny that okay. both of the movies the latest of studio ghibli are based off of kids who have been adopted or don't you know have their mm-hmm. family and that has a completely different tone to it it's extremely sad but also very and very like family oriented and is the opposite of like a girl who doesn't feel like she's part of any family just very very sad and yeah so is it good that sounds good it's good it's really good um i highly recommend it it's very beautiful Mm -hmm. but again yeah it's just interesting how they can go from like this tone to now like yeah. a, a girl who yeah loves her her orphanage and is just kind of a spitfire of a child whereas the um girl and when marnie was there is more somber <laughs> yeah <laughs> and one of the yeah the tone is the is the big word i mean for lots of things but especially the ghiblis and um not that mm-hmm. this not that doing the earwig tone is is incorrect but Mm-hmm. the one that you're describing like it just it brings more true like that's more likely to be the case that you know what are your odds that you got a, a child who just loves the orphanage and never wants to get adopted and everything's yeah. good for him and it's like you yeah, know maybe i'm sure that character exists somewhere in the world but well and i th- think the what uh, what i love about studio ghibli is that i think people can um relate to the characters a lot more yeah. Uh, like when Marty was there, even though I've never been adopted, like I, I, I think, are as I'm very relatable to that character. Whereas in Earwig and the mm-hmm. and the Witch, I just didn't find myself fitting in with any yeah. one mm-hmm. character or into the story at all. Mm-hmm. Completely, um, it just was more unrealistic. But maybe that's like a good thing because you don't yeah. always need to be showing sad, <laughs> like realistic stories to kids. And, yeah. um, yes. And, well, and, and adults alike because we all have deep longings of the soul that are like 
profoundly metaphorical and symbolic, like the, you know, the, the classic Harry Potter there, we all, mm-hmm. there's, there's an orphan child in all of us that wants to be yeah. adopted and find belonging and find, yeah. you know, meaning. Um, Very well hard, not, yeah, well, it's, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah. She was witches dancing. Shameful fairy lies and gossip. Oh. Erica, you haven't ever wished a family would adopt you, have you? Nope. Anybody who chose me would be pretty unusual. <gasps> We'll take this one. For the first time in my life, I'm being made to do something I don't want to do. Now then, let's you and I get a few things straight. My name is Bella Yaga. I'm a witch. Great. You agree that you'll teach me magic, and I agree to help you out. If you work really hard, I shan't do anything to hurt you. Love potion for the boy next door? All of these are pretty useless to me. The spell I believe you're looking for is somewhere towards the back. Hang on, you actually talk? Of course I do, just not very often. In this household, there's one rule that's crucial. You must on no account for any reason ever dare disturb the mandrake. Don't be rude. A hole left by a witch can only be filled by a witch. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, for helping and break down not just Earwig and the witch, but sort of the greater Studio Ghibli au revoir. And uh, yeah, we'll do more in the future. Uh, you did wonderfully, Smart. Thanks for yeah, contributing this to this. Thank you. I want to be a part of this more <laughs> often now that, yeah, I, uh, you know, it's 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 easy to do yeah. from afar now with new technologies and stuff. Um, and I love, especially talking about just like yeah, animated films, Studio Ghibli. They're some of my favorite mm-hmm. films and. Um, I'm glad that you were able to recommend Earwig and the Witch because I probably never would have known it was a Studio Ghibli film until uh, much and I later have on. Watched it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely saw it on HBO Max. It popped up a couple times, and I just always pass it off as looking very silly and for kids. But yeah, it's a Studio it, Ghibli movie, and you know, yeah, and- it's an interesting curiosity, and yeah, it's easy to get through. I, you know, I. 80 minutes long so yeah it wasn't painful to watch by any means like actually like yeah in my my viewing experience was because philip you've you've wanted you've tried to get in a couple times that you were more positive feeling towards the film than Mm -hmm. i think either samara and i were but like i wasn't angry while watching it like i was i enjoyed it Mm -hmm. and then when it ended then like what i was left with to process was mostly negative opinions about Mm -hmm. you know the construction overall but there if you want to watch a little girl make potions and talk back to her mother figure, her superiors, which, her superior, yeah, <laughs> like and there's there's some good potion making ASMR in there. You know, I don't know whatever. Right, 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 right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, anyone care to um, share what anything else they got going on uh, social media and such, uh, Samara? 
want to tell people where they find you oh yeah um yeah you can find me on instagram i wish i was more active but um yeah my my handle is is my name with the number nine at the end uh i sometimes post a bit of my art usually photography but um and then also i'm working on a tv show so if you want to check that out on netflix it's called uh hentified or gentified if you're not speaking in a spanish uh know, language but hentified <laughs> uh, but it's uh, a yeah. it's it's the you know spanish form of gentrification gentrified so but yeah. um it's good yeah it's a story about a family in boyle heights california so um uh, yeah mm. At like a, a latina family and yeah it's good it's awesome. lighthearted, fun first nice. season is out on netflix and we're doing season two right now Sick. Cool. you're so cool <laughs> it's all right i'm i my my job is boring <laughs> but the what overall... do you do what i mean you're tell the audience uh what you do oh okay well i work as an art department coordinator so most of my job is just keeping budgets up to date, um, doing a lot of the accounting work, submitting receipts and, um, and doing some like shopping and that kind of thing. Like, uh, what else do I do? And some graphics here and there. And I don't know. Is there a person, so is there a person who's like, all right, the director wants a car. I'm going to go buy a car. And then you're like, Dave, you bought a bus last week like we can't afford a car now like is it that kind of Thankfully, stressful car is not cars are not in my uh realm okay. but definitely i don't know just like even the other day our set decorator rented out like a bouncy house on her credit card and then accounting called me angrily and was like we can't have rentals on our credit cards you need to fix this so i have to then <laughs> <Fix> this. <laughs> request like a check for them and then hope that this vendor will reimburse us for the amount that she charged on her credit card and you know it's like that kind of thing and then i also deal with a lot of clearances so if there's photographs or artwork that is going to be seen in our set i have to um get like clearance forms signed from whoever the original artist was or make sure that they're like in public domain or from yeah. or don't have like an artist attributed to it kind of a thing like i stock like stock images and stuff so, so do you're you, hearing from like, someone who's done the la the hollywood dream right here folks yeah how do you organize not... all that do you use like physical bureaus or a file system on your i our uh department uses dropbox so okay. we have yeah we pay i mean i already paid yeah. for a subscription but we have like folders upon folders of everything like set dressing has all of their folders of you know yeah, their but... research and then photos of the sets and then what they're buying and then i have like my whole accounting folder of everything and and that's backed and up yeah back when yeah. our computers were connected by a central hive mind i would snoop on some of those documents it was really intense <laughs> oh yeah you were still connected to my dropbox weren't you or oh, wait yeah are you talking about something I, I, no. yeah yeah well you're you would have files that would just like appear on like your desktop from time to time like i, I don't know yeah. it was weird because um, it is my Dropbox is connected to my desktop, so everything is like yes there. I don't have to connect to the wi uh, to the internet to like get it necessarily. But we re you know. we 
we reset all that anyway yeah yeah so it's fun living the dream (laughs) yeah i i've done work as a production assistant and like i've had to go around and collect all these release forms for people appearing on camera Mm -hmm. and i just like i wonder where where does all this stuff get stored where did like does it get filed away does anyone ever look at it again you know probably not (laughs) probably not i don't know why i need to keep track of every single little receipt that we yeah I, I guess you have to do your due diligence in case you get audited or in case something ever comes mm-hmm. up where you have to go back in and, you know. I'm so annoyed with release forms on like unprofessional, non-union, independent student film projects. I mean, maybe it's good practice for the real world or whatever, but like I know that it all gets tossed in a backpack and no one looks at it again. And it's like, and what legal protection does any of this actually have? Like, I no, yeah, doubt no, any, really. but um, very but important. You never know, higher, like, if, level. if like something goes viral and someone gets portrayed in a negative light and they didn't have permission uh, to, to be, you know, or you, you didn't have permission from them to portray them in such a way or whatever. That's so fair. You know, there's, you never know what's going to happen. So I guess that's yep. why you, uh, you never, never know what's going to happen when something gets released into the world, into the yeah. internet. So got to have so that protection. Be careful what you say. All right. Inside All Hollywood right. here on I the do. podcast. Dawson, did you want to plug? Uh... Yeah, I'll plug Hidden Falls, actually. Go on Instagram oh. and search Hidden Falls. Uh, it, it's uh, I'm a, it, there's a production that my friends made um i'm just an actor in it but some of my good friends are also actors producers and directors of uh we made the first episode of a fantasy web series it's actually looking turning out pretty cool so um yeah check that out and follow can i can i plug my podcast too because i forgot that i also am a part of something i'm a positive creative and fun myself and my roommates have a podcast called the root bound podcast where we talk about plants and alcohol so come join if you want to just listen about cute little things it's not at all industry related but you know maybe we sometimes talk about industry stuff i don't know um but i'm also really excited about hidden falls the trailer super dope so definitely follow them all right thanks for listening to the podcast you can find the podcast at Thodcast on Twitter and Instagram and various flawed podcasting platforms, flawed plasting platforms under, oh gosh, the Thodcast conversations about animation. You can find us at Thodcast.com as well. And thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Dawson Smar, for joining the podcast. I don't know any th- final thoughts, I should say, about. Um, your wig and the witch see it i i'm i'm sorry for being like no don't see it but um it's cute if you have younger siblings or you nanny for kids they should check it out it's but they'll be disappointed because they'll want to know what happens next <laughs> they'll just be disappointed and you'll have to explain to them maybe what your thoughts are and then it'll start a conversation and you know whatever you just okay. give a puff on your cigarette and say well you see honey this is an example of an unfinished script <laughs> okay so don't not see it don't not that's a good <laughs> all right uh what was like oh I, I didn't even mention hedwig and the angry inch which i wonder 
must have some kind of there's really no reason to it's just yeah the title earwig and the witch has rhymes with hedwig and the angry inch which is a play about i don't know the story all i know is i guess the elevator pitch where there's like a gentleman who is transgender and the surgery leaves one inch of his genitalia left so he's angry about that and it's a musical on Broadway. All right. Well, it has to be an angry inch. So you can. <laughs> the angry inch. Oh no, I. That is just so that the inch is exactly what you think it is. Yes. So wow, very bold. Fascinating. All right. <laughs> well, it sort of rhymes wow. with this title, so I thought it'd be worth clarifying. All right. Uh, thanks again for listening, and we're gonna skedaddle. Right. Bye now. Goodbye. Warm hugs. Bye.